Hi, I'm Dan Primack, and welcome to Axios Recap, where we dig into one big story. Today is Wednesday, July 21st. Stocks are up, U.S. life expectancy is down, and we're focused on the arrest of a Trump confidant. Tom Barak is many things. An extraordinarily successful real estate investor who created a multi-billion dollar private equity firm that bought everything from hotels to telecom towers to data centers. He's also been referred to as one of Donald Trump's closest personal friends, even chairing the former president's 2017 inaugural committee. In some circles, kind of Wall Street and media circles, Bark is the guy who almost bought Harvey Weinstein's production company until the PR heat got way too hot. Now, though, Tom Barak is best known for being in federal custody arrested yesterday for acting as an unregistered foreign agent for the United Arab Emirates. He also was charged with obstruction of justice and lying to federal investigators. And all of it relates to his position inside of Trump's orbit. Three things to know. First, Barak wasn't charged under the Foreign Agent Registration Act. Instead, he was charged under the same foreign agent statute that was used to charge Russian agent Maria Butina and other alleged spies. In other words, this is very serious business, which likely is why Barak isn't yet out on bail. Two, the Department of Justice alleges, among other things, that Barak inserted language praising UAE into a speech by then-candidate Trump. He also is said to have, quote, acted at the direction of UAE officials to influence the foreign policy positions of the incoming administration, end quote. Number three, there's been some social media chatter this morning that all of this is about Joe Biden politicizing the Justice Department. But it's important to note, this investigation started while Donald Trump was still in office. The bottom line here is that Tom Barrack is part of Trump's inner circle, maybe even one of its tightest members who doesn't share Donald's last name. So what we know so far might not be anything compared to what we learn later. We're joined now by Vicki Ward, an investigative journalist and best-selling author on books about the Kushner family and New York real estate. So Vicki, do you remember the first time you heard the name Tom Barrack? I think I heard the name Tom Barrett probably as far back as 2014 when I was writing a book about the world of New York real estate. And he was somebody who was uh, a major player. He was the big sort of connector between the New York players and the Middle East. You know, he's a Lebanese American. He speaks Arabic. I think I knew then that he was uh, close with Donald Trump. I think I knew that he was also very close to the Kushners and that at around that time, in fact, he had taken Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump on a trip of the Middle East and that they were in Doha. And I know that they then met with a Qatari sheikh, very important businessman called HBJ, who they would later help try and solve the Kushner's financial troubles with the trophy building that they had bought that caused them a real nightmare, 666 Fifth Avenue. Vicky, you tweeted that Tom Barak has, quote, long had his name tied with allegations of crony capitalism. What do you mean by that? I wrote a whole book that was around the notion that the Trump administration's foreign policy was run basically as one big effort to bail out Jared Kushner's family's financial problems and to help the Trump family's financial problems. And that Tom Barrack was the man in the middle. He was the man providing all sorts of access. We know that Tom Barrack 
was the man who introduced Jared Kushner to the Saudi crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman. Tom Barrett was the guy who was introducing Jared to the Qatari businessman who was interested in bailing them out the summer of the campaign. Tom Barrack was very transparent about his business interests in the Middle East. Were you surprised by the arrest yesterday? I was surprised by the arrest only because so much of Tom Barrack's activities were in plain sight. And in fact, I talked to a source who had been a senior Trump administration official this morning and said, why do you think Tom Barrack did all this so openly? And this person said to me, he's a real estate guy. It's possible he just didn't know the rules. As ridiculous as that sounds, it's also in one way an accurate reflection of the Trump administration. I mean, right now I'm in the middle of reading Landslide by Michael Wolff. The level of incompetence is really striking, I think. And if it is true that Tom Barrack didn't realize that he had to register as a foreign lobbyist, that would be a remarkable test. When I read this and when I read the press release from DOJ and, and the general charges, it, they don't say this explicitly, but, but the way I read it is this is a guy who, for his own firms, you know, raised a lot of money from UAE and kind of decided to scratch the back that was scratching his. And as you say, maybe didn't know the rules or maybe did. Do you think that's fair that this was, you know, these are investors in his funds. They ask for help. He's, he knows the Trumps. He tries to give them help. Well, I think that's exactly the way the Trump administration worked. It was one big kleptocracy. I would say, just pushing back on that, that the story is a little more complicated when it comes to, to Tom Barrack, because UAE was one of his investors. So, too, for a long time were the Qataris. Tom Barrack was known in the Middle East as someone who was unusually able to play both sides. But the really dangerous point about all of this is that in Qatar, there is the United States Air Base, the Al Udaid Air Base. That is our national security in the region. In the indictment of Tom Barrack, it talks about how Barrack is having discussions in the summer of 2017 with an unnamed US White House official, both I think in July and both in September, to get this person on board with the blockade of Qatar led by the Emiratis and the Saudis. Now, we now know what we didn't know at the time, that the Qataris had just turned down a request by Jared Kushner's family business for money to bail them out of their financial problems with this building, 666 Fifth Avenue. Tom Barrack is a key player in the team that takes the president on his first U.S. state visit to Saudi Arabia, where the theme, the topic of discussion is supposed to be security in the region, cooperation among the Gulf states. Qatar notices that they're excluded from some meetings. And literally days after this, Days after this meeting and cooperation, weeks after Jared Kushner's family have been rebuffed by the Qataris, suddenly there is a, a blockade led by the Emiratis and the Saudis of Qatar, where our airbase, the US airbase is, 
neither Rex Tillerson, the Secretary of State at the time, nor General Mattis, Secretary of Defence, had any idea what was going on, and they were horrified to learn that, that there were reports of troops on the Qatari border, and they knew that none of this could have happened without support from the White House. And the question was, who did the support come from? And it became clear to them that it didn't come from Donald Trump, which led them to question, did it come from Jared Kushner? So when you now read this indictment, it does raise really, really troubling questions. Vicky, let me ask you two final questions. One of the reasons I wanted to have you on was uh, you're currently hosting a podcast called uh, Chasing Ghislaine, which is about the Epstein situation. Tom Barak is in Epstein's little black book, correct? Correct. Do we know anything about that relationship? We don't, actually, but it's not really surprising given that what I report in the podcast is that Jeffrey Epstein was somebody who had connections in many of the countries in the Middle East, many of the countries that we've just talked about. We know that he at one point thought about moving from America to Israel uh, when he didn't want to go to jail the first time around. So his connections in the region were pretty tight, which would, to some degree, explain the presence of Tom Barrack with, I think, nine different phone numbers in Jeffrey Epstein's Black Book. Do you believe that Tom Barrack is the big fish that DOJ is going after, or is he leveraged to get to Trump or Trump's family? Well, that's obviously the big speculation that's going on. Does Tom Barrett want to cooperate and tell investigators absolutely everything that he knows about all those conversations that it's clear they know he had in the White House? And that's going to be very interesting. Vicki Ward, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Welcome back. What we're watching today is fallout from reports that software developed by an Israeli firm called NSO Group was used by governments to spy on journalists, human rights advocates, and world leaders. The software in question is called Pegasus, and NSO claims it's designed to track terrorists and other criminals. But for years, there have been allegations that NSO products have been used for much more than that, basically doubling as literal spyware, being installed on the phones of unsuspecting targets who might have included everyone from Jeff Bezos to French President Emmanuel Macron. It's also probably worth noting that for a short period of time, former Trump National Security Advisor Michael Flynn was a paid advisor to NSO. Now, today, Axios's Barack Ravid reports that the Israeli government is forming a special team to manage fallout from the Pegasus reports, as the country is worried that the revelations could morph from a media crisis into a diplomatic one. NSO, for its part, says it's considering a defamation lawsuit against the International Journalistic Consortium that first reported on what it calls the, quote, Pegasus Project. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Sabina Singani, Justin Kaufman, and Ben O'Brien. Please be sure to leave us a review. And if you're not already subscribed to or following the podcast, do so. Have a great national hot dog day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap.